1: Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us.
2: It's quite interesting that when you study the Bible, you begin to realize that God is very big on life. God is the life God. He's the giver of life. He's one that really wants us to experience life to its fullness. And in fact, when you get into the New Testament, you begin to discover that Jesus came to introduce to us what real life was all about. In fact, He chose a very particular word, Jesus did, to describe life. It's a Greek word that has great meaning to us. It's not the word bios, where we get our word biology from. No, Jesus, when He came to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He chose a different word. That word is zoe. When God says, I came to give you life, He said, I came to give you not bios, not this physical kind of life, although we experience and appreciate that, it truly is a gift from God, life is. But God said, Jesus came and said, I want you to experience Zoe, life to its fullest. And that word Zoe means lots of different things, but I want to draw your attention to two basic things that are found in the meaning of the word. It means really fulfillment and fruitfulness. To experience Zoe, to experience the life that God wants you to experience, is to experience fulfillment. It is to experience fruitfulness. It is to have a life that reaches its highest and most full potential that God designed for you, and then out of that to be fruitful and to distribute your blessing to those around you. This goes back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and called them to their assignment in the garden. Notice what it says here in Genesis 1, Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish and the sea, the birds and the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God said, I put you in this garden and I've given you a purpose. I've given you a reason to live. You're, you have responsibility. I want you to experience life and I want life to be multiplied through you. Zoe, the Zoe kind of life, the very first commandment that God gave was for them to be fulfilled and fruitful in life. Now, when we talk about life and experiencing fulfillment and fruitfulness, it's quite easy to think, well, I guess God wants us to have the kind of life that doesn't have any problems or pain, but that's not really what God says. In fact, Scripture teaches us that even in the midst of our problems and pain, we can experience life. You don't have to have an avoidance of problem and pain to have life. You can actually Go through problems and pain and experience even a richer life. Notice Romans chapter 8, verses 35. Verse 35, we'll read verse 37 in just a moment as well. Paul writes and says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sore? Lots of trouble. Verse 37, know in all these things, what are we? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul said, none of these problems can keep us away from life. One of these problems can keep us away from experiencing the fullness of life and the fruitfulness that Christ has for us. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul again, again describes this kind of life in the face of difficulties. He says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through what? hard times. Not if we go through hard times, but when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us along someone else along beside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following Messiah, but no more so than the good times of His healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. So Paul says the full measure of life includes the good times and the bad times. This a full measure of life, the first dimension of what life is all about. And the first thing I want to talk to you about this weekend is learning to live in love because you can't have life without love. And the first principle I'd like to share with you is this, the greatest gift in life is love and the greatest calling in life is to love. There's no greater gift that you'll ever receive in life than the gift of love and there's no greater gift that you will ever give or calling you'll ever fulfill in life than, than to love other people. See, when we consider the biological dimensions of life, there are certain things that are essential. You cannot live without. Air. You can't live without breath. You cannot live without hydration. You have to be hydrated. You can't live without nutrition. You need to be nourished, or else your life will be taken. If you don't have breath, you suffocate. If you don't have hydration, you dehydrate and you die. If you don't have nutrition, you ultimately will be emaciated and your life will go away. You need these things. Now, the same is true in the spiritual and relational realm of life. There are certain things that you've got to have if you're going to have Zoe. If you're going to have real life, one of the things that you desperately need is you've got to experience and know, receive the gift of, and extend the gift of love. It's the greatest thing of all. Notice 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, the first part of verse 1. Read this one with me. Let love be your greatest aim. What does it mean to aim at something? Think about someone, an archer with a bow and arrow, and they're shooting at a target. And if that archer is shooting at the target, they're looking at the bullseye. They're not trying to miss the bullseye. They're trying to hit the bullseye. And God says, what I want you to do is when you're living your life, I want you to set your life like, a, like an archer with your, your, your bow and your arrow pointed toward the bullseye. And what is the bullseye? What is it? Let love be your greatest aim. That's what you shoot for in every relationship. That's that's what you shoot for in every dimension of life. You shoot for love. Colossians 3 verse 14, love is more important than anything. It is what ties everything completely together. There is nothing, absolutely nothing more important than love. Not a single thing. The greatest force in the world is love. And if we don't get this, we'll never experience true fulfillment. We'll never experience true fruitfulness. This is where it all begins. Love is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Love is the greatest gift you will ever give. Your calling in life is to love. What is your calling in life? To love. You cannot live well without loving well. The second thing I'd like to share with you today, and it sort of builds on the first, it helps us to understand the importance of the first, and that's this, lack of love causes serious problems. When you don't have love in your life, you've got a lot of problems. These problems exist, I'm going to talk today about three realms in which these problems exist. When you don't have personal love, you have problems. When you don't have relational love, you have problems. And when society doesn't have love, society has problems. Let's talk about the personal realm of your life for a moment. When love's missing in your life, you have a problem. When love is missing in a relationship, you have a problem. That's why God says the most important thing is love. How about society for a moment? Let's talk about our society. When society is missing love, do we have societal problems? Of course we do. Of course, we have war throughout the world and tension between people and injustices that occur. All these things are societal evidences of the fact that one of the things we're missing in our society is love. I will tell you that our society, first and foremost, doesn't have a political problem. It has a love problem. Whatever your politics might be, and you know that I don't get into politics because I don't believe politics is the answer. I believe what we need is a spiritual awakening of the love of God in our lives. When the spiritual awakening of the love of God comes to our lives, it changes a culture, okay? It engages a society. It says, no, we live by a different kingdom, amen? We live according to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and a a kingdom that operates with an environment of love. See, can you see why God says love is more important than anything else? Why? Because when you don't have it, you're a mess yourself. When you don't have it, your relationships are a mess. And when you don't have it, society is a mess. God says, faith, hope, and love, they all endure, but the greatest of these is love. God says the most important thing is love. Make love your greatest aim. Lack of love creates all kinds of problems for us. The third point of today's message. Real love, get this, requires, always requires a source. Real love requires a source. How long? Think with me for a moment. Let's just do a little thought process. You ready? How long have human beings been in existence and interacting with one another? How long? Thousands of years, right? right? Thousands of years, correct? Human history certainly covers millennia of time, right? Thousands of years. Now, here's my question to you. Over the thousands of years that human beings have been around on planet earth, interacting with one another, have we gotten any better over all those years at loving one another? No. Over all these years of history, have we improved in our capacity to love others? No, we haven't improved. In fact, some would perhaps argue that we've gotten worse at loving each other. After all these years, you would think that somehow we would have improved, that somehow sociology and psychology and all these things would have improved our society, improved people in being able to love one another. But instead, it's continued certainly at least the same, if not worse, over time. This goes all the way back to the beginning of time. It goes back to the third chapter of the book of Genesis. Let me take you to that passage in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse number 6. I'll read down through verse 13, and then we'll break this apart a bit, and we'll talk about it for the next few moments. Adam and Eve had been placed in the Garden of Eden. God told them, there's a tree I don't want you to eat of. And of course, they now eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice what happens. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden at the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. I want you to see this from a love standpoint for a few moments. Let's break this story apart and let's look at it from the love angle just for a moment. When God created Adam and Eve, He put them in paradise. This is called the Garden of Eden. Gorgeous place to live. It's paradise. Truly, it's a paradise environment. And God says, here's your home. And by the way, every day in the afternoon, I'm going to come and hang out with you. So every day, God would come down into the Garden of Eden and they would walk around in the cool of Eden. Would you like to have a walk with God every day? Wouldn't well, it be amazing to be in, the, in your environment that's already perfect? You're, you're married to the perfect person. I mean, if anybody was ever made for each other, Adam and Eve were made for one another, right? You got the perfect marriage. You got the perfect environment. You have God himself coming down in the cool of the day, walking and talking with you in the Garden of Eden. Think about what I mean, it's amazing to consider. And God said, by the way, just one thing, one thing, just one thing. See that tree over there? Just don't eat that tree. That's one tree, just don't don't eat that tree. That's not for you. Don't eat it. But all the other trees, you can have tree of life is here. And God's plan was, I want us us to fellowship forever like this. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. We're just going to multiply this paradise and, and love will be in this environment forever. As long as you make the choice not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, of course, the serpent comes in and deceives them and Eve goes over and eats and Adam eats as well. And as soon as they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they realize something. They realize something they'd never realized before. We're naked. We're vulnerable. See, before that time, they had perfect intimacy, not just physical intimacy, but emotional intimacy, complete trust with one another. But now... They're they're feeling fear. They're understanding this intimacy now has been broken. And so they sow fig leaves together to try to cover over their nakedness. And they start hiding from God, the very God they used to walk and talk with in the garden. Now they're hiding from him. God comes down, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And and Adam steps up to to the relationship with God, the interaction with God. and, and, And God says, Adam, did you eat of the tree? That would have been a perfect opportunity for Adam to say, Yes, God, I really messed up. I ate of the tree, but you know what He did? He said, "It was the woman." Okay, that's exactly what He did. I would have been fine had it not been for this woman you gave me. I tried to tell her not to do it, but she did it anyway. And what else could I do? I needed to keep her happy. Right? Eve, how about you? Well, the devil made me do it. And what happened there in that moment, what I want you to see is that the perfect love relationship, perfect love relationship between Adam and Eve and God, and the perfect love relationship between Adam and Eve together as a husband and wife, has now been violated, and there's no longer love present Animosity is now Fear has now entered. Hiding has now entered. A lack of intimacy has now, been, has, has now occurred in that environment. And now what used to be a loving environment is no longer a loving environment because something entered into the world. What was that thing that entered into the world? S I N. It's called sin. And what is at the center of S I N? I. I want to do what I want to do. I know what God said, but I want to do what I want to do because I'm the most important one here. And as soon as I put I on the throne of my life and God off the throne of my life, then now I've replaced love from my life with me, and I don't have the ability to love. I don't have the capacity to love because now I'm on the throne. Do I think I have the ability to generate love? I don't have that ability because I can't, I'm not, I'm just, I can't do this sin Creates a break in the love relationship with God and with one another. That's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. Now, I want you to see how this now begins to disintegrate humanity. Notice Genesis chapter 4. Now, we've come to chapter from chapter 3. Now, we're in chapter 4, and I want you to see chapter 4 because now we've got a, we've got a relationship problem in the family because they had a couple of kids Cain and Abel. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and did what? killed him. So now we've got Adam and Eve who sin against God. They lose their relationship of love with God. It wasn't that God stopped loving them. They broke that fellowship with God, and now they've broken fellowship with one another, and now the family is falling apart because there's no love there. Love has been extricated from the family. This should tell us something. Let me tell you what it should tell us. It should tell us as human beings, because since the time of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, all throughout history, we've continued to have this kind of problem. This should tell us something. We are not very good at loving. We're just not very good at it. We don't know how to do this thing. Something is terribly wrong with us as people. We we don't love very well. We don't do a very good job with this love thing. Why? Because we're broken. We fail at love. And why do we fail at love? I would submit to you this afternoon the reason that we fail in love so often, so many times, the reason we fail in love is because we don't connect to and stay connected to the source of love. That's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. They disconnected from the source. And when they disconnected from the source, they lost the supply. You can't have a supply without a source. You'll only have a supply when you're connected to a source. Notice what John the Apostle said here in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God doesn't just love people. God is love. See, all of us as human beings, we can, we can have a pretty good day and be kind of loving to people. But we're not love, Okay? God doesn't just love. God is love. The very nature of God is love. Everything that God does is motivated by love. God cannot not love. He he loves in every dimension. Even when God gives you a rule to follow, He gives you the rule to follow because He loves you. If He says, don't do this or do that, it's not because God's setting an arbitrary set of rules and regulations for us to follow, to make our lives miserable. No, everything that God says to do or not do is because God said, this is what's best for you. If you'll do it this way, this is how your life will work best because I love you. I love you. Love is the the flow of God's nature and character. So when you have an absence of love, you have an absence of God. When you have an absence of God, you have an absence of love. You and I can't love. Are you hearing that? We can't love without God. We need a source that is beyond ourselves. We need a supernatural source. We need to tap into something that will create a supply line in our life so that we first in our personal lives experience the love of God inside of us which begins to heal us. Dear ones, let me tell you something. There is nobody there's not a single person human being that exist in the world that can satisfy all of your love needs. Ladies, listen. There is no Prince Charming on any beautiful horse that can flow into your life and love you the way you want to be loved, okay? Not going to happen. And guys, there is no Princess Charming that's going to ride into your life and give you all the love that you need, and suddenly you're just going to be in bliss for the rest. So you got to get that myth out of your mind. They don't exist. Doesn't exist. There's nobody that can love you the way you need to be loved. Are you hearing me this morning? That's why we get in such trouble because we're love me. Love. See, we're we're big love man. Love me. Somebody love me. Okay. Come on, love me. Okay. We, we don't say that, but we walk around just like, is there anybody here that can love me? Okay. Like, okay. okay. How do you feel? Okay. And God says, time out. Whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute. Wait. No, that's not the way it works. Would you get? in connection with me, and let me love on you, and let me feel the, fill up the love void inside of you that you're carrying, and the brokenness that you feel, and the inferiority that you suffer with, and the shame that you carry with you. Would you let me come into that part of your life and just let me love on you as your Father? Are you hearing me today? Would you let me come in and heal that part of your heart that's been so damaged and ripped apart by people through the years that have left, has left you bruised and broken and bleeding on the inside and maybe hiding that from other people, would, God says, would you let me come in and let me show you what real love does? And then God says, would you let me, would you let me come into your relationships? See, it's interesting, folks, how many times people, when they get married, they say, well, I want to get married in the church. I want the church to marry me, Okay. What they're saying is they want at least God in the first part of their marriage, okay? Maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know. Maybe it's just tradition. I want to get married in the church. And they come and get married in the church. One of our pastors might, might marry them here, and they have a beautiful wedding ceremony. You read scripture, you pray over them, all that kind of stuff. And they go out of the church, and they never, they never invite God back into their marriage ever again. That's the last time they really pray together. It's the last time they talk about God together because there's no God in the relationship and they're wondering, why are we now about two or three years in we're having a problem? Why? Because your supply of love ran out. You didn't have enough to keep you going because you are not not attached to a source and you can't have a supply without a source. So you're wondering, why am I having problems in my marriage? I'm having problems in my marriage because I need some of God in my marriage. Because when God comes in, God is, what is God. God is love, okay? And so you get God in your marriage. What do you have in your marriage? God is love, okay? You, have, you get, when you have friendships that break apart and now you're mad at this person and they're mad at you and your enemies at one another. When you begin to invite God back into those friendships, God can take enemies and make them friends again. Amen? Are you hearing? Because God is, what is he? He's love, okay? And love doesn't come from us. Love can't come from you. Love can't come from me. Love comes from God. When you spend time with God, you begin to experience love. I will tell you something. When I spend time with God, when I'm in His presence, and I'm reading His Word, and I'm worshiping Him, and I'm coming to church and worshiping at church and enjoying the presence of God, I like you a whole lot better. Right? Are you with me? Why? Because I'm filled up. I don't need to get something from you. I come to give something to you. Why? Because I've been filled up with the love of God. God's filled my tank, and now I've got something in me to be able to give because I'm not looking to you to be my source. God has filled the tank of my soul with His love, and now I can give out. What if the church, let's talk about society, for but what if all of us, all of us here today, Frederick, uh, Gaithersburg here, campus, and anybody else watching online, what if all of us today, what if we got filled up with love? Just, what if we got tapped into God? All of us got filled up with love. We all went to work tomorrow full of love. We walked through the door and we just busting out with love. (laughs) Touch me, I dare you. (laughs) Love pop out, okay? Right? Just bursting with love. Amen? Are you with me today? Just walk around and we just big old fat lovers, okay? (laughs) Would it make a difference in the DMV tomorrow? I mean, I'm telling you, by by 10 o'clock, you'd be on the news. What happened to that person, okay? Okay. Because love makes a difference. See, what's the world longing for? What's the world looking for? Love. God says if you want life, if you want Zoe, if you want to move beyond just the biological life to the Zoe life, life that is fulfilled and life is fruitful, you've got to understand that it all starts with love.
1: Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you, you need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word and make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org.